Folks, what does everyone do when shopping online? Well, you jump to the reviews and you see what customers actually think. Well, Bull and Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, 96% said Bull and Branch sheets get softer with every single wash. Bull and Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable. Bull and Branch sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bull and Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. We love our Bull and Branch product. In fact, when I'm on the road, I actually travel with their cable knit throw blanket. It is that good. Their product is just awesome. After a long day, nothing feels better than a restful night's sleep in the softest, most luxurious sheets. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull and Branch. Get 15% off your very first order when you use code Ben at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull and Branch, spelled B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code Ben. Exclusions apply. See site for details, bullandbranch.com. Dr. Anthony Fauci says we might be wearing masks into next year. The Biden administration refuses to condemn Andrew Cuomo's cover-up, and Coca-Cola is pushing racist diversity training. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. See, here's the thing, folks. I've been talking about ExpressVPN on this show for months. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? Ladies and gents, I will tell you this. There has never been a more important time to protect your digital rights. That's why I and thousands of my patriotic listeners choose to secure our online data by using ExpressVPN. Did you believe a VPN isn't for you because you can use the internet just fine without one? Anytime you go online, your internet service provider can see every site you are visiting. Are you confused about how it works? ExpressVPN is an app for computers and smartphones that encrypts your network data and reroutes it through a secure server. That means you can use the internet more anonymously without having your activity tracked. Do you think VPNs are complex and only for tech experts? Take it from me, they are not. With ExpressVPN, you launch the app, you tap one button, and now you are protected. It is indeed that simple. I trust ExpressVPN to protect my online data because they are rated number one by CNET and Wired. They stand for my values. Now is the time for you to take a stance. Don't give your data to people who really don't like you very much. Instead, take back your privacy at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Get three extra months free on a one-year package again. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben to get three extra months for free. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben right now. Well, before we begin, I just want to give you a quick reminder. You should go check out the Sunday special we just did with our friend Gina Carano. It really is, I think, quite spectacular. It is it is moving and it is clarifying. Uh, Gina explains exactly what went down at Disney Plus and Lucasfilm when she was fired from The Mandalorian and the sort of culture that had been created there, this, this woke culture in which you were bullied into saying things that you didn't actually believe or silenced. It's definitely worth the watch. So go check that out over at our YouTube channel or download the show on our stream because I think it is well worthwhile. Okay, on to the news of the day. So apparently we're going to lock down forever. Like forever, ever, ever, ever. There's never going to be an end to this. That apparently is the message coming out from the Biden administration. And this is the stupidest thing you could possibly do at this moment. It is truly idiotic. The reason it is idiotic, as I've explained before, is that vaccines are coming out. These things are basically a damned miracle. These vaccines are unbelievably good. These vaccines remove, according to these studies, about 94 to 95%, we're talking about Moderna or Pfizer, 94 to 95% of the deadliness of the disease and prevent you from getting the disease in most cases in the first place. And not only that, we now know that one of the things that happens with the Pfizer and the BioNTech vaccine is that it actually does stop the COVID spread, which is perfectly commonsensical. 
Okay, when, when you get a measles vaccine, you now no longer can pass measles because if you cannot obtain measles, then you cannot pass measles. Now, there was this bullcrap nonsense going around that you would take the vaccine and then you were still passing the thing or you already had COVID and now you're still passing the thing. The evidence to back that was extraordinarily scanty. In fact, there was virtually no evidence to the idea that after you had had COVID, you were still a major cause of COVID spread. And yet that was pushed out there as though that was the apotheosis of science. It was not. It was never the apoth. It was never good science. Forget the apotheosis of science. Well, now, according to Bloomberg, the Pfizer and BioNTech SE COVID-19 vaccine appeared to stop the vast majority of recipients in Israel becoming infected, providing the first real world indication that the immunization will curb transmission of the coronavirus. The vaccine, which is being rolled out in a national immunization program that began December 20th, was 89.4% effective at preventing laboratory confirmed infections, according to a copy of the draft publication that was posted on Twitter and confirmed by a person familiar with the work. That means that not only are you not going to die from the thing, you're probably not even going to get the thing. Nine out of 10 cases, you are not going to get the thing. And even if you do get it, it's not going to be severe. It's not going to be life-threatening. The companies worked with Israel's health ministry on the preliminary observational analysis, which was not peer-reviewed. Some scientists dispute its accuracy. The results were also reported in Der Spiegel in Germany. They're the latest in a series of positive data to emerge out of Israel, which has given more COVID vaccines per capita than anywhere else in the world. Almost half of the population has had at least one dose of the vaccine. Also, Israeli authorities said that the Pfizer-BioNTech shot was 99% effective at preventing deaths from the virus. 99%, I mean, the thing's a miracle, right? Okay, by the way, quick side note here. There's an awful joke on SNL that just is rooted in a lie. I'm not gonna say that the guy who said the joke was anti-Semitic because I don't know his intent. I do know that the content of the joke is just untrue. Okay, the content of the joke is that Israel is discriminating against Arabs and giving the vaccine. No, the Palestinian Authority is a sovereign government. It is their job to get the vaccine. They've not asked the Israelis to provide the vaccine. Arabs who are living in Israel are getting the shots in the same way that is that Jews who are living in Israel are getting the shots. So it's just a lie. Anything else that you may have heard along those lines. In any case, the basic idea here to go back to the vaccines is that these things are unbelievably effective, like incredibly effective. And by the way, they were being rolled out before Joe Biden entered office. Joe Biden jumped to the front of the parade and then he stood there pretending that he created the parade. Okay, this thing was already underway. Operation Warp Speed had helped create the vaccines, create the market for the vaccines, guarantee income from the vaccines. The rollout of the shots was already well underway when this guy took office. If you look at the pace of the rollout, which really began early January, I mean, somewhat mid-December to early January, I mean, this guy got immunized January 11th, nine days before he took office. One of the things that you can see is that it is on a consistent upward trajectory. It's not like it was moving at a low trajectory and then Biden took off and went zoop, and just exponentially increased. Nope, it was always on this consistent arithmetically increasing trajectory. Okay, so Joe Biden is just continuing to lie about this. He keeps saying that there was no plan when they took office. And it is of high irritation that the same media that declared that every time Trump opened his mouth, it was a lie, just refuses to acknowledge that this administration lies like fury when it comes to COVID. They lie repeatedly and routinely about COVID in order to cover for the fact that they really didn't do anything, in order to cover for the fact that their plan has been meh, basically the same as Trump's plan. Like today, for example, there are a lot of stories out. It'll be a miracle if, if Joe Biden is somehow able to achieve 300 million shots by August. That'll be incredible. Why will that be incredible? We're rolling out 2 million shots today. You know what that means? If we kept on today's pace, we didn't even increase the pace. If we kept on today's pace, that would mean 330 million shots by August. So no, that's not a miracle. In the same way, that Joe Biden came into office promising a million shots a day, and the day he was inaugurated, there were a million shots. Because he's just lying about things. Here he was lying over the weekend about how there was no plan when they took office, which is obviously untrue. This, this jerko was, was vaccinated nine days before he took office. So what was the plan, Bob? Just over four weeks ago, 
America had no real plan to vaccinate most of the country. The hell is he talking about? My predecessors, my mother would say, God love them, failed to order enough vaccines, failed to mobilize the effort to administer the shots, failed to set up vaccine centers. That changed the moment we took office. I mean, come on. That's just, I'm sorry. It's just not correct. That's just not correct. Okay. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that when people say free, they should mean, you know, actually free. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you will get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last, rugged screen, quick charging battery, top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family will save almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk for years at this point. I can tell you that coverage is excellent. I trust them. You can too. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company today. puretalk.com slash Shapiro. So then... Dr. Fauci, who, again, I started off with the Dr. Fauci is trying to do his best perspective. Now, I just think that the guy loves the spotlight and I think that he's terrible at his job. I think he's absolutely awful at his job because his job apparently doesn't involve actual epidemiology anymore. His job basically involves going on TV and saying a bunch of conflicting things that make no sense to the cheer, to the wild cheers of the media. Right? They set him up as this anti-hero to Trump because Trump was captain misinformation. But Dr. Fauci has shifted his position on every single issue in this pandemic. He's shifted his position more often than the Kama Sutra recommends. It's insane. Okay, so now Dr. Fauci is suggesting maybe we should wear masks into 2022. I have an answer for you, Dr. Fauci. No, the answer is no. Once we're vaccinated, we're not wearing masks. And guess what? We're not socially distancing. We're going back to ballgames. We're going back to regular life. We're eating indoors and we're eating relatively close to one another. Because we can't live like this. People were not meant to live like this. And all you people in control who think that you're going to maintain control with the threat of the virus? No. The answer is no. Okay, so here is Dr. Fauci suggesting we're going to be wearing masks into next year. And we've got the Biden administration saying by August we're going to immunize the country. And then you're saying, oh, no, everybody's going to continue socially distancing and wearing masks until next year. I cannot think of a message less calibrated toward getting people to do the vaccinations. Seriously. I'll explain why in a second. Here's Dr. Fauci just saying ridiculous crap. Do you think Americans will still be wearing masks, for example, in 2022? You know, I think it is possible that that's the case. And again, it really depends on what you mean by normality. I want to see it go way down. When it goes way down and the overwhelming majority of the people in the population are vaccinated, then I would feel comfortable in saying, you know, we need to pull back on the masks. We don't need to have masks. Okay, so apparently forever. Apparently forever. I mean, they've gotten to the point where they're now arguing for zero transmission. There will never be a point where there is zero transmission of this disease. Okay, that's ridiculous. It will be seasonal. Some people will die from it every year. The chances that it is going to be a zero transmission are extremely, extremely low. But here's the thing. When you keep saying things like you can't go back to normal, and then you base it on unknowns in science when we kind of know, all you are doing is encouraging people to not get vaccinated. And then guess what? By the summer, when transmission is low, people are going to go out and party it up. I mean, seriously, here are the two available avenues in reality. Avenue number one, you tell people that after they get vaccinated, they can do what they want. 
Right, that's avenue number one. And then everybody wanting to get back to normal goes and gets vaccinated because they want to do what they want. That is avenue number one. Then there's avenue number two. People don't get vaccinated because you keep telling them that even if they get vaccinated, they can't do what they want. So they don't get vaccinated. Then the half the population that gets vaccinated is good to go. And by summer, the transmission is down. Transmission is already dropping radically. Okay, transmission is way down by the summer. And you have a bunch of people who have not gotten vaccinated going out there and they're still not vaccinated. And then the winter hits. And then we get another round of this. And all those people who are not vaccinated because you told them they couldn't go back to normal life have already gone back to normal life because transmission is down, except they're not vaccinated. And then you get another uptick in the winter. So there is no third choice here, by the way. People keep suggesting there is a third choice. The third choice is, well, you know, we tell everybody to get vaccinated, but they also have to lock down for you. You know who's not going to do that? Anyone with a brain. Because why would I take the additional risk and annoyance of getting a vaccine when I am young and healthy if you're telling me I still can't go back to regular life? You know what the chances of uh, the chances are of somebody who's 20 years old dying from COVID? Extremely low, like three in 1000. Very, very, very low. You know what the chances are after getting a vaccine? Maybe one in 1000 or less than one in 1000. So are you going to take the vaccine and be miserable for a few days in order to lower your risk from three in a thousand to one in a thousand? Or are a lot of people who are young going to go, eh, you know what? I'll just wait. Or you could tell people, you know what? To get back to regular life, get the vaccine. And then you know what people will do. They will go get the vaccine. You know how we know this? Because that's exactly what Israel is doing. Right now, Israel has what they're calling vaccine green cards. There are problems with this particular strategy, but it at least encourages people to get the vaccine. Right? The argument that Israel is making is if you would like to go to this restaurant, if you'd like to go to this bowling alley, if you'd like to go to this crowded scenario, get the vaccine. That is a good public relations campaign for getting the vaccine because now there's an incentive. You know what is a bad public relations campaign? We don't know. Even after you get the vaccine, you still can't see your grandkids. Even after your, grand, your grandkids want to see you, they still can't see you, even after they get the vaccine. And this is what Dr. Fauci is saying. He keeps saying this kind of crap over and over. He's so, he needs to be fired. He's bad at this job. He's bad at this job. Fauci should, again, I'm not saying he should have been fired while Trump was president. I'm saying he should be fired while Biden is president. If Biden wants to actually have some sort of clear, forward-thinking standards for how this stuff gets rolled out, here is Dr. Fauci saying, I don't want to say grandparents can see their grandkids after the vaccine. Then what the hell are we all getting vaccinated for? Seriously, what are we doing here? Here's Fauci. My parents have already gotten their second dose. They're fully vaccinated. Does that mean it's okay for them to spend time with their grandchildren who obviously have not been vaccinated? What's your recommendation? You know, I, I'm not going to make a recommendation now except to say that these are things that we really do. I mean, literally every day, Dano. We look at that. We look at the data. We look at what's evolving about how many people are getting vaccinated and there will be recommendations coming out. I don't want to be making a recommendation now. Okay, um, but um, you're on national TV and you're asked a direct question. You know what the answer to that question is? Generally speaking, yes. Grandparents should be able to see their grandkids after they get vaccinated. That is the point of the vaccine. It reduces death by 99%. If you go to Israel right now, where everybody above the age of 65, essentially, has now been vaccinated, the death rates for seniors are lower than the death rates from COVID for people who are 40. So the answer here, if you want to encourage people to do the vaccinations, should be yes. Regular life awaits. It is right around the corner. And yet they're not doing this. Why? Because they, at this point, you got to say it's because they want control. They want control and they are propagandists for the idea that you must continue to lock down in abject fear of a disease that post-vaccination is not particularly dangerous. And we'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that every responsible person should get life insurance. 
right? On the off chance that God forbid something should happen to you, you need to make sure that your family is taken care of. This is why you need Policy Genius. Policy Genius can help you check off two big items with ease. You can compare life insurance rates and save 50% or more in the process. That means more cash to put toward the things you care about, whatever that may be. Plus, there's absolutely no hassle. Their licensed experts work for you, not the insurance companies, so they can offer unbiased advice when you need it. Here's how it works. First, head on over to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Policy Genius will compare policies starting at as little as a buck a day. You might even be eligible to skip that in-person medical exam. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and the red tape. If you hit any speed bumps during the application process, they'll take care of everything for you soup to nuts. That kind of service has earned the Policy Genius a five-star rating across over 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. So, if you're worried that March is just around the corner and you've barely gotten anything done, take a deep breath. Policy Genius will help you make the most of this short month in minutes. You could save 50% or more by comparing quotes. Feel good knowing your loved ones would be taken care of if anything were to happen. Go to policygenius.com to get started. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice and quite important to get it right. And so again, all Fauci is doing these days is just going on TV and talking about his uncertainty with regard to the vaccine. This is the dumbest possible idea. It's unbelievably stupid. You need people to want to get the vaccine. You need people to want to get the vaccine. And when you talk about, oh, there, there are all these COVID variants and, and they could sweep through the nation. Yes, that's true. And that's one more reason why you want people to rush to get the vaccine now. And what we are seeing are high levels of rejection. One third of people in the military by polling do not want to get the vaccine. You have extraordinary levels of vaccine rejection in the black community. People saying they don't want to get the vaccine because they've been told by the media about the Tuskegee, the Tuskegee experiments in the 1930s. And so the idea is that the systemic medical system is out to get you. You got people like Charles Blow in the New York Times justifying that kind of crap. The answer right now is we've been given this miracle way out. There's the old Jewish joke about the guy who's drowning and he calls out to God, save me. And sure enough, here comes a, a guy in a rowboat and he looks down at the guy and he says, Hop on in, get into the boat. Guys, no, God's going to save me. And then five minutes later, a helicopter flies over and a guy rappels down. He says, come on up, we're saving you. He says, no, God's going to save me. Sure enough, the guy drowns, goes directly to heaven. And he says to God, I don't understand. I prayed, I had faith in you. You didn't save me. And God says, who do you think sent the boat and the helicopter? Okay, the vaccine is the way out. And to not promote that message is the height of idiocy, especially given the fact that what we now see is that transmission rates are dropping like a stone. Remember when we were told that Tampa Bay was going to be like the center of all COVID insanity? Remember this after the Super Bowl? Super Bowl parties, we're all gonna, it's two weeks out from the Super Bowl. You know what's happened to the rates? All the rates are dropping. The vaccines are only going to make that better. Now there's a problem. And the problem is that if you have a bunch of people who don't get the vaccine because summer is coming and the weather's gonna warm up and the transmission rates are gonna go down and then we get hit again within December, then all those people are not vaccinated. So, you know, you should be telling them, get the vaccine. Instead, you got Dr. Fauci out there saying, we don't know how durable the vaccine is going to be. Maybe you still need to wear a mask. Maybe you should socially distance. Maybe you should never see grandma again and she should die alone and lonely in a nursing home. The hell are these people doing? At a certain point, you have to recognize that what they are attempting to do is just control your life. Because the science doesn't back what they are saying. The public policy certainly doesn't back what they are saying. Okay, it's not just me saying this. If you like Derek Thompson from The Atlantic saying this, People on the left saying this. Okay, this is, this is a mainstream scientific view is that to encourage people to get vaccines, you have to tell them that they can get back to their regular life. And yet you have the entire Biden administration backed, by the way, by the American Federation of Teachers saying, no, even after the vaccines, we can't back to, get back to regular life. Here is Dr. Fauci, the great and sainted Dr. Fauci, votive candle Dr. Fauci, the mother Teresa of the medical profession out there saying, you know, we still don't know how durable the vaccine is going to be. So why the hell would I take it then? Seriously, here we go. 
there are two scenarios. The one you're talking about, about the Pfizer giving one dose and having a good degree of protection versus what they're doing in the UK. So let me very briefly explain both. The Pfizer situation where they gave a vaccine and after a period of time at 15 to 28 days, they had good protection. What we don't know, and this is the risky business about it, we don't know how durable that effect is going to be. Okay, so again, what is he trying to do here? This is the guy who, by the way, lied to you. He lied to you about masks. Why? He said he had a good motive, right? His motive was he only wanted medical professionals to have PPE. He said masks were not useful. Now, of course, masks are the greatest thing since sliced bread. Masks are the most important thing you could ever do, right? When you wake up in the morning, you put on your mask. When you go to sleep at night, you still keep on your mask. You keep on that mask forever. You glue it to your face. You sew it in there. Or you physically attach it to your body like Bane from The Dark Knight Rises because that's how important the masks are. But at the beginning, he was saying you didn't need a mask. Why? Because he was telling the good lie, right? The platonic lie to try and save you. Okay, well, right now, even if he doesn't believe it, shouldn't he be out there saying that the vaccines help you so much that you can get back to regular life to get people to do this? Instead, you've got NBC New York suggesting that you shouldn't shed your mask after a COVID-19 vaccine. Quote, you're vaccinated against the coronavirus. Now what? Don't expect to shed your mask and get back to normal activities right away. That's going to be a disappointment, if not a shock to many people. Why? Why? Well, because the Center for Disease Control hasn't changed its guidelines. Ooh, the magical CDC. Ooh. You mean the CDC that actively says that their school reopening guidelines have been crafted in conjunction with the teachers unions? You mean the CDC whose leader, Rochelle Walensky, was tossed directly under the bus? The Biden administration tossed her under the bus when she said that teachers don't all need to be vaccinated to reopen schools. Right, then they were like, well, we don't know. She was speaking in her personal capacity. Then they backed up the bus and ran back over her. This is the CDC I'm supposed to trust. These are the institutional scientists I'm supposed to trust. These geniuses over at the CDC. Fauci can only point to the CDC's recommendations, which are so far mum about exceptions, except, except, exceptions for vaccinated people getting together. What experts also need to learn, the vaccines are highly effective at preventing symptomatic COVID-19, but no one yet knows how well they block spread of COVID. Again, we do. They block spread of COVID really, really well. There are studies out of Israel demonstrating that this is, in fact, the case. There is very little counter evidence that people, I mean, as far as I'm aware, no counter evidence that there is a significant mode of transmission via people who have already been completely vaccinated. The looming question, Fauci said during a White House COVID response briefing last week, is whether a person infected despite vaccination can still unwittingly infect someone else. Studies are underway to find out and hints are starting to emerge. Fauci pointed to recent research from Spain showing the more coronavirus an infected person harbors, what's called the viral load, the more infectious they are. That's not surprising, as it's true with other illnesses. Yes, but you don't get a viral load when you're being vaccinated. That is sort of the whole point. Yeah, this, is all, this is all counter, it's not just counterproductive, it's idiotic. Yeah, and, and let's be frank about this. Fauci is now doing the propaganda effort of the Biden administration in a way that he wouldn't for Trump. And I think rightly so. Again, the science should not follow whoever the administration is. The science should follow the science. But here he is just doing propaganda on behalf of the Biden administration over and over and over. Again, the, the sainted, the, the incredible, objective Dr. Fauci suggesting, you know, when, when Kamala Harris said that you, you should be vaccinated before we reopen the schools, the teachers, she didn't mean that. She, she said it was a priority. Then what? What? I mean, that's literally, yes. When she says it's a priority to get teachers vaccinated before we, op we reopen schools. Americans are going to think that means the teachers have to be vaccinated before we reopen the schools. Here's Fauci in full spin defense mode for Kamala Harris. With Vice President Harris said it should be a priority. She did not say 
it's a sine qua non that unless you get vaccinated, you cannot come into the school and teach. So what we're saying, and let me state it clearly, because I, I believe strongly that it is completely compatible with both with what Dr. Walensky said and what the vice president said, is that clearly we want to make the vaccination of teachers a high priority. Okay, by the way, we shouldn't. We should not. Okay, teachers should be treated the same as every other employee in America. There is no evidence that teachers are getting this thing at an elevated rate above other people. None. None. Okay, I'm, where are the studies? Like a study showing the teachers are getting this at increased rates anywhere on planet Earth. I have not seen any evidence of this effect at all. And yet the idea that they should be prioritized above what? People who are 60? Why? Why? If they're above 60 and a teacher, they should get vaccinated because they're above 60. But if you're a 30-year-old teacher, you're not in any more risk than somebody who's a 30-year-old grocery store worker or a 30-year-old mailman or a 30-year-old anything else. It's just nonsense. But again, the nonsense is all that matters for these folks because it allows them an element of control. When I say that Dr. Fauci is doing propaganda work on behalf of the of the Biden administration, he is. Right? Fauci was asked, are we being too, too careful on reopening the schools? The answer obviously is yes. Right? The, CDC, the CDC standards do not make any sense. The new CDC standards recommend that 99% of all school children, according to Jake Tapper on CNN, are in areas where the schools should be hybrid or home, uh, home learning only. Okay, That is not even close to what's happening now. That would mean reclosing 50% of schools that are open. And yet you have Dr. Fauci, the greatest doctor of all time, except for Dr. Joe Biden, saying that we're, we're not being too careful on reopening. I mean, come on. What? what? No. Us? Are schools being too cautious, do you think? And are there schools closed right now that should be open in person? You know, I mean, obviously, if it's a very difficult situation to get an absolute definitive answer. What the, what the CDC has tried to do is look at the risks that you have and try, if you follow the CDC guidelines, to get the children back in school, at least with hybrid and maybe even when you actually have a, an increased spacing with them that you can get it in what's called a decreased capacity. It's hard to say that we've been, no, it is not hard to say at all. Schools around, around the world have been open throughout this thing. Around the world, particularly elementary schools. Okay, and all of this is just to back the Biden AFT agenda. That's all, the American Federation of Teachers. That's all this is. Jen Psaki was asked about school reopening. And she said, well, even if there's vaccinations, even if there's funding, even if there's everything, we might not reopen the schools because all they want is control, folks. This is no longer, I was willing to do the good faith thing for about a year. We're a year in, we're a year into this pandemic. And early on, remember, I was an advocate for masking throughout. I'm still an advocate for masking for people who have not gotten vaccinated and who have not had COVID in order to protect the elderly. I gave Fauci the benefit of the doubt for a full year here. I was even willing in the early days to give the lockdowns the benefit of the doubt, at least for a month, six weeks, okay, before it became obvious that the lockdowns weren't actually accomplishing what they sought to accomplish because all they were doing was pushing forward the infection into the future, as you see in New York. Okay, but you have Jen Psaki, like at, at this point, I can no longer maintain the pretense that there is no aspect of political control being attempted here. Here's Jen Psaki suggesting that even, maybe we'll never reopen the schools. Maybe never, maybe never. Maybe we'll all just stay home forever. So a requirement, you receive funding, you bring, you bring students back. 
that that's not a contingency that we're putting in that we're, we're recommending to go in a, in a, in the bill or in legislation, mm. John. I think what he believes is that school districts, working with our Secretary of Education, who we certainly hope will be confirmed this week, need to make a determination about what works best for them based on these CDC guidelines. Or maybe they should just make the determination on what's best for them along Federalist guidelines, as they already have, as opposed to the CDC guidelines, which are a bunch of crap created by the AFT. They're nonsense. We talked about them at length last week. Speaking of which, my favorite here, the AFT president is like, you know, it's a great model. New York City is a great model where kids have been out of school for like a year. Randy Weingarten on Meet the Press. All she cares about is the kids staying home and teachers never having to teach. Other than that, she's great, Randy Weingarten. By the way, Biden considered her for secretary of education. There's no perfect solution, but frankly, I think that New York City has done a, pr a pretty good job in terms of showing the way. Big school district, lots of issues in terms of, of um, uh, old buildings. And we learned a lot from what New York City did in September and October. And in fact, my members, I just did a survey of my membership, and 85 percent have said that they would be comfortable being in school if they had the kind of testing, mm -hmm. layered mitigation, like, you know, and, and vaccine prioritization. And that's what New York City is doing. And vaccine prioritization. You don't need the vaccine prioritization. It's not true. Okay, yeah, I'd also be comfortable going back to work if we all lived in a plastic bubble and never had to deal with other human beings. The, the data on elementary school transmission demonstrate kids are really not transmitting this to teachers in large numbers. Again, I have yet to be made aware of a single case in the, I, I've been waiting. My email address is public, bshapiro.dailywire.com. Let me know, is there a single case in the United States of a teacher where it is clear the teacher actually got COVID from a student, not from a fellow teacher, not from a fellow adult, not from the grocery store at home, that a teacher got the disease from a student and then died? I'm unaware of a single case in the United States in which this has happened. Maybe it's happened. I'm not saying that it hasn't. I'm not aware of a single case. If it has, it is extraordinarily rare. And yet the schools, according to Biden and team, should maintain should continue to be closed. Yet Fauci last week saying we need to pass a stimulus package that's going to spend tens of billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars into the future, right? Into like 2024 in order for them to open now. This is nuts. And the media are just going right along with it. There's an article today in the Washington Post that is such like the, the alarmist propaganda of the establishment media is insane. There's an article in the Washington Post. It is titled The Youngest Victims of a National Calamity and the People They Left Behind. Okay, the entire article is about the number of children who have died from COVID. Now, here is the thing. Not many children have died from COVID. Statistically speaking, this is a disease that is not particularly deadly in children. When I say not particularly deadly, I mean less deadly than the flu in kids. Well-established that for young kids, this thing is really, really, really not deadly. At least not nearly as deadly as the flu. And we don't shut down all of American life for the flu, obviously. It is much more deadly for people who are elderly. It is more deadly for people who are above the age of essentially 20. But if you are below the age of 20, it is not as deadly as the flu for you. And if you're below the age of 10, it is certainly not as deadly as the flu for you. And you have an entire multi-thousand word article in the Washington Post trying to scare parents by talking about every single kid who has died in the United States of COVID. Okay, nearly 3% and 3 million ch children in the United States have tested positive for the coronavirus, about 12% of all the cases. And the number of kids who have died is extremely low. 271 kids as of early February. Out of 3 million children who have had this, and those are the ones who've been diagnosed. And what we know with this disease is that for every kid who's diagnosed, there are probably 6 to 10 who have not been. So you're talking about 18, maybe 18 million kids, 
maybe 30 million kids who have already had this and 271 deaths. Every one of those is a tragedy, but we cannot pretend this is a national trend worthy of a multi-thousand word report in the Washington Post designed to scare the living hell out of parents. That is not what media coverage is designed to do, unless it is what media coverage is designed to do in order to promulgate an agenda. Okay, in just a second, we're going to get to the media covering up for Andrew Cuomo in a continuing way and the Biden administration covering up for Andrew Cuomo. It's amazing how the worm has turned on Andrew Cuomo. Right now, we're allowed to make jokes on SNL about him. A year ago, he was the greatest thing that ever happened to American politics. A year ago, they were talking about replacing Biden with him on the ticket. Now, everybody is pointing out the same thing we have known for literally months, which is that he was lying overtly about how many people died in nursing homes. I first reported that on this program, I believe mid last year. It was perfectly obvious he was doing that because it would have made explicit the fact that his entire program was idiotic of shipping COVID positive seniors back into nursing homes. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that if you have a medical problem with a simple medical solution, why aren't you just going and getting it solved? This is why you need 4 your one-stop shop for hair loss and wellness for men. Hims is helping dudes be the best versions of themselves with licensed medical providers and FDA-approved products to help treat hair loss. No snake oil pills, no gas station counter supplements, prescription solutions backed by science. Hims was created by a guy who knows some men's health conversations are easier online than in person. Instead, no more awkward in-person doctor visits, no long pharmacy lines. For Hims connects you to a licensed medical professional online, and that could save you hours. It's completely confidential. It's discreet. Answer a few quick questions. A medical professional will review. If they determine it's right for you, you can prescribe you medication to treat hair loss. It's shipped directly to your door. And today, Hims is giving you your best offer yet. If you're not happy with your results after 90 days, Hims will give you a full refund, which is a great deal. And right now, my listeners can get their first visit absolutely free. Go to forhims.com slash Ben. That's forhims.com slash Ben. Male pattern baldness runs in my family. That's why I've talked to the people over at forhims.com slash Ben, and you should as well. Prescription products require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember, that is forhims.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Okay, so now the worm has finally started to turn on Andrew Cuomo. We're finally allowed to talk about the fact that um, Andrew Cuomo is a garbage governor who got a lot of people killed with his bad policy. In fact, there's a piece in The Week today by Ryan Cooper titled Resign Andrew Cuomo. He points out that his administration concealed data about coronavirus cases in nursing homes reportedly for fear of federal prosecution. Stories of his vitriolic abuse and threats directed at other Democratic New York politicians are coming out. Yet even all that is only the start of Cuomo's deadly corrupt incompetence. So in keeping with judging him by his, by his results, Cuomo should resign immediately and free New York State from his dismal misrule, says Ryan Cooper of the week and not a right wing outlet. The nursing home scandal has been bubbling for nearly a year now. It starts with Cuomo's inexplicable decision back in March 2020 to order nursing homes to accept recovering COVID-19 patients, even if they were still testing positive. A recent AP investigation found that at least 9,000 recovering patients were sent back to nursing homes and long-term care facilities, a number that is 40% larger than his administration had previously admitted. This unquestionably worsened the pandemic as it ripped through New York's elderly population. That's not the only number Cuomo fudged on nursing homes. New York Attorney General Letitia James investigated the situation, found that his people may have undercounted the number of deaths associated with nursing homes by 50%. Cuomo then admitted that instead of the 8,500 dead they'd been reporting, the true number was over 15,000, about a third of the state's deaths. And then, of course, the New York Post reported comments from Cuomo's top aide, Melissa DeRosa, seemingly admitted that they had deliberately faked the numbers as part of a cover-up. His officials froze, she said, for fear the truth was going to be used against us by federal prosecutors. Ryan Cooper says Cuomo bungled the pandemic basically from the jump. The New York City metro got hammered with the worst regional outbreak in the country. In the following months, 
Cuomo's compulsive bullying and control freak habits gradually drove an exodus of public health professionals from the state government, including the state's health department, director of its Bureau of Communicable Disease Control, its medical director for epidemiology, and the state epidemiologist. And then his micromanagement tangled up the early stages of the state's vaccine rollout. He threw out the plan the state health department had worked up over months, substituting his own. He put in... he put in place strict requirements that only people who qualified could get shots, but then added threats of punishments for organizations that didn't distribute their shots fast enough. And the result was chronic delays. Okay, so bottom line is this. Cuomo has been a garbage governor and the media didn't just cover for him. They featured him. He was the greatest governor in America. Meanwhile, Ron DeSantis, greatest villain in America down in Florida with the number two population of seniors in America by percentage after Maine, which has seven people. Okay, so easily the oldest state in the union, if you don't count Maine, Florida. And Florida is ranked middle of the pack in terms of deaths per million, like 27th. New York is ranked second. New York was treated as a wonder, a wonder of excellent management. Meanwhile, Jen Psaki over at the Biden administration is asked, you know, can you condemn Cuomo covering up these deaths? And she's like, no, no. Remember, refreshingly honest, refreshingly transparent here at the Biden administration. It's, it's amazing. You know, there, there's a lot of dishonesty inside the Trump administration, for sure. Trump said things that were not true a lot. Many of those things were exaggerations or bloviation because that's how Trump was on a personal level. This is organized, malicious, and clear lying. Okay, these are cover-ups by members of an administration. We were told these were serious people. Okay, so I said throughout the Trump administration, people kept saying, you don't treat him the same way that you treat Obama. You know, when Obama would lie, you'd be really on him. And when Trump lies, you're like, yeah, that's just Trump. The reason, be- and I said, yes, because you have to take into account the nature of the people who are lying to determine whether they are doing so through carelessness, which is mostly Trump, or recklessness, which is mostly Trump, or whether they're doing so in deliberate fashion in order to mislead people, right? In organized, serious ways. This is is an administration that in organized and serious ways covers up and lies to you. Here is Jen Psaki pushing the Cuomo cover-up. Does President Biden still consider Andrew Cuomo the gold standard when it comes to leadership on the pandemic? We work with Governor Cuomo, just like we work with governors across the country. He's also chair of the NGA. So uh, he plays an important role uh, in ensuring that we're coordinating closely and getting assistance out to people of his state and to states across the country. But Jen, my question was, does President Biden still believe that Andrew Cuomo is the gold standard, represents the gold standard on leadership during this pandemic? Just a yes or no. Does well, he John, the, the, the president... The, pre- the president, uh, well, it doesn't always have to be a yes or no answer. No, it, it kind of does when you're asked a direct yes or no question. And especially when the premise of the question is very, very obvious. Do you still think that Cuomo's d- done a good job? They won't answer the question, of course. Meanwhile, the media in full spin mode, at least the fact checkers. So here's the thing about fact checking. You have to understand that what fact checking really is, that entire industry, is just laundering liberal opinions into some sort of faux objective standard. That's all fact checking is. It's a bunch of lefties who, quote unquote, fact check you by checking your opinion because they don't like your opinion. And then they say that you're lying and then they ban you from social media, right? That is what the fact checking industry is. Here's a perfect example of it at work. Angie drobnik Holen is EIC. She's the editor-in-chief of PolitiFact and just echoes Andrew Cuomo's lies about the cover-up. I think the situation in New York is really complicated. Oh, is it? Certainly there are things hmm. to criticize about how the oh. Cuomo administration handled data. But the hmm. heart of the matter goes back to last year when the state was asking nursing homes to take in patients, COVID patients who are ready to be discharged from the hospital. Uh, we don't see hard evidence that that made a significant difference in COVID deaths. Okay, we don't see any, uh, any hard evidence that it increased COVID deaths. So she's just buying. There's this McKinsey report 
The McKinsey report was contracted for by the New York state government. And the McKinsey report found, yeah, sure, we were shipping a bunch of olds back into the nursing homes who had COVID, but we're going to say that it was asymptomatic transmission of healthcare workers that caused the, the breakout in the New York old age homes. Okay, the evidence of that is extraordinarily scanty. You know what we do know? That when you send 9,000 old people with positive COVID tests back into nursing homes, it might actually increase transmission. Okay, but you got PolitiFact just echoing the bullcrap. Unreal. By the way, the other person you see on that split screen there is Daniel Dale. One of the things you may have noticed about Daniel Dale, he was the CNN fact checker during the Trump administration. And he became famous for doing this very nitpicky thing where every time Trump would speak, he would take every single statement and then he would analyze it down to the nth degree, like hair splitting so that he could call it a lie. So if Trump would say, I have, I have unbelievable black support, he'd be like, he does not have unbelievable black support. He has slightly more than he did last time, but it's not unbelievable. And thus he is lying, right? It was that kind of crap from Daniel Dale. Now Daniel Dale has poof, disappeared according to Mediaite. CNN fact checker Daniel Dale was one of the busiest people in the cable news business for several years. He has almost completely disappeared from the network's programming over the past month or so. What happened? Well, since joining CNN in June of 2019, Dale has appeared or been mentioned on the network more than once every other day on average, according to Internet Archive. That exposure dropped sharply after November 4th. And according to the TVI's media monitoring database, since Joe Biden's inauguration on January 20th, Dale has only appeared on the network once. That appearance last Friday was to fact check Donald Trump's lawyers. I wonder what happened. Why? It's almost as though they only care about fact checking when they are simply attempting to check people on the right. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, we'll get to more media coverage of the Biden administration in just one second, which continues to be egregious, sycophantic, and drooling. Get to that in just one moment. First, when it comes to staying in shape, nothing feels as good as the feeling of accomplishment, of hitting those fitness goals, and feeling great about yourself. I can tell you that both my wife and I have been exercising and dieting, really trying to work on all of this since the beginning of the year. Let me tell you something that really helps us a lot. Echelon. Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their Echelon Stride smart treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon will give you a fun, challenging workout from the comfort of home. The EX7S, it's Echelon's latest state-of-the-art innovation. It takes cycling to the next level. The EX7S connected bike is built with performance, flexibility, and durability in mind. It's the bike for competitors at heart. The world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. Unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone. And one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Let me tell you, I am super excited to be using the Echelon. Now, you've seen the other brands that do this. Way more expensive. Echelon is affordable and it's great. It'll get you into shape and it's fun because I, I need to be involved in some sort of class in order for me to really feel motivated to work out. Echelon knows that. They make it happen for you. Go to echelonfit.com slash Ben. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash Ben to get started. Alrighty. Well, yesterday I had the privilege of sitting down with the newest addition to our entertainment team, Gina Carano. This was her first sit down interview since she found out on social media she'd been canceled by the woke mob. Gina is a real person. And this is the thing. The folks on the left wanted to treat her as some sort of cardboard cutout of an evil conservative. And she is not in any way that is perfectly obvious from the interview. They tried to ruin her career and wreck her dream and they failed. Check out the interview. If you haven't already tuned in, join the 2 million people who already have at dailywire.com because, well, we have a lot to talk about. And before going any further, I want to tell you all about a new series coming out this Friday hosted by moi, right? This only happens for our members. There's a simple... Highly effective rule for making a good argument. Don't build it on a fallacy. This is the first and really the most important rule when it comes to developing a legit argument. For some reason, 
The left has decided this rule no longer applies. That is why I will be exposing leftist fallacies every Friday in 15 minutes or less, exclusively for our Daily Wire members. Exclusively, you have to be a member. On my new series, Debunked, every single week, I will take facts and logic and own people with them. We will put them up against a popular leftist argument, the kind you see your friends post and share all over the internet. And guys, whether it is climate change and ridiculous solutions to it or universal healthcare, I'm going to help you completely dismantle the arguments being made by the left. So if you aren't already a Daily Wire member, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code debunked to get 25% off. The first episode drops this Friday. So head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe today. Use code debunked for 25% off. We've been filming it. It looks fantastic and it's going to be super helpful around the water cooler. So you want all the best arguments? Check out our new series, Debunked, by becoming a member, dailywire.com slash subscribe, and use promo code DEBUNKED for 25% off. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. One of the things that you see so clearly right now is the media continuing to just cover in every possible way for the Biden administration. It truly is an incredible thing. So the Washington Post has a piece today. It is titled, Biden's low-key approach to storm wins praise, but courts risks. Now, you will have noticed that Ted Cruz was ripped up and down, up and down, for not going and visiting Texas and handing out water bottles or something instead of going to Cancun. And I said, that's real bad optics, right? It is bad optics. Joe Biden has been completely absent, like really absent. He signed the emergency declaration, I believe, over the last 48 hours. Okay, and the take from the politics section at the Washington Post is that Biden is doing amazing. His low-key approach to storm wins praise, but courts risks. Democratic State Representative James Tallarico says the most he's heard of federal help in his area during the devastating winter storm is a FEMA water truck that apparently got stuck in ice. KP George, the top elected official in Fort Bend County, Texas, said federal officials have told him help is on the way, just not fast enough. We can't wait another 72 hours to get food and blankets and things like that, he said. And U.S. Representative Colin Alred, Democrat of Texas, said what would help most beyond an infusion of federal dollars is a visit from President Biden. This has been something like the dark ages here in Texas, Allred said. I mean, people are burning their furniture and their fences for warmth and heat. They're finding older folks literally frozen to death in their beds. When the president has toured, seen the damage, spoken to the people who are affected, I think that makes it a little bit hard to say, well, I'm sorry, you're going to be on your own. As the Biden administration faces its first natural disaster, says the Washington Post, the president himself is taking a notably low-key approach. He has not visited the stricken region or delivered primetime remarks. He did not mention the disaster at a recent town hall. And he is studiously avoiding the controversy over whether wind energy or fossil fuels are to blame for the widespread power failures. It's a marked contrast to former President Donald Trump. I, I mean, I'm sorry. You have ever so the opening paragraphs are every Democrat's like, you know, Biden should visit here and probably he should, you know, meet with some people and sign the emergency declaration, make sure the federal aid gets here. And the Washington Post is like, yeah, so um he's asleep in his basement and he's been catching all the latest episodes of Matlock. But at least he's not Trump. What the hell does it matter what, like, Trump hasn't been president for a month, guys. Like, what are you talking about? They say he famously tossed paper towels to hurricane victims, excoriated Californians for gross mismanagement of forests, and called Puerto Rican leaders corrupt and incompetent for their handling of aid money. Okay, well, first of all, I remember when you yelled at him for not visiting the hurricane victims. Then he went and he gave paper towels to people. And then when he said that they mismanaged their forests in California, that's because they did. As far as the Puerto Rican leaders and their corrupt and, corruption and incompetence, they found millions of water bottles lying on the tarmacs in Puerto Rico in the aftermath of the hurricane. So, I mean, there's something to be said for at least part of that response, but that's really not what the piece is about. Why is Trump relevant here? What, like, if it were Trump, we all know what the headline would be, right? Trump refuses to go to hard-hit Texas in the middle of 
horrifying calamity. I love this from the Washington Post. While Biden has won praise for his quieter, more business-like approach, he is also running the risk that he and the federal government can appear almost absent. State and local officials say a big test will come in the months and years ahead as Texans replace burst pipes in flooded homes, clear out dead crops and livestock, and investigate the collapse of an electrical grid that left millions shivering in the dark. Okay, so I have a question. They've, they've now said twice in this article that he's taking a low-key approach and uh, he is receiving praise for it. So I'm just wondering, where's the praise? They have yet, they've yet to cite, we're now like 11 paragraphs in. There's no praise cited anywhere in here about what exactly he's been doing. But according to the Washington Post, it is praiseworthy. You have to get down to paragraph, you know, 20 till you get to this. The president, this is uh, Daniel Kanuski, a former FEMA deputy tr administrator, said the president has authorized FEMA to provide physical resources and, and financial resources. Just as important, officials said, is what Biden has not done. Several credited him with not politicizing the disaster. He has not weighed in on some Texas officials' widely disputed claim that the failure of wind turbines was largely responsible for power failures. Well, that would be the smart thing to do, right? I mean, because if he weighs in on that, he's going to be wrong. The president has also refrained from scolding state leaders for decisions relating to their power grid that might have contributed to the electrical collapse. Well, right, because if he gets enmeshed in that particular thing, that is a battle he is going to lose. Nonetheless, Biden has been silent about the storm since February 14th. You, you know what the headlines would be if Trump were silent about the storm since February 14th, right? He has tweeted that he and First Lady Joe Biden were keeping Texas, Oklahoma, and other impacted states in our prayers. Officials say it is a marked difference from Trump. Okay, so here is the deal. No matter what Joe Biden does, the media will say it is the greatest thing. He wants to keep schools closed. It's the greatest thing. He's going to be really wishy-washy about the vaccines. Greatest thing. He's going to roll out the vaccines. Greatest thing. He's not going to mention what's going on in Texas. Amazing. He is going to mention what's happening in Texas. Unbelievably good. All great. Okay, because bottom line is this. For the media that has an agenda, the only Democrat who ever gets criticized is one they have lost use for. Andrew Cuomo can now be duly tossed out of the boat because Andrew Cuomo is no longer useful. If you look at... at at Biden, Biden is still useful. Maybe there will come a point where he's no longer useful. But for the media, trying to generate a narrative, the only good Democrat is a Democrat who is useful. And when a Democrat becomes not useful, that's when you can report on him. You're allowed to report on Hunter Biden after the election. You're allowed to report on Andrew Cuomo after the election. You're allowed to do all sorts of these wonderful things as soon as the time for actually doing them when it would have made a difference would, is over. You know, there's such a thing as a lie by omission. And when your media ignore major stories for a year in order to prop up certain politicians. And then as soon as those politicians become a liability, they immediately just stab them directly between the shoulder blades. At that point, you might start to distrust your institutional media. Amazing, amazing stuff. All right. Meanwhile, woke idiocy continues to be the rule of the day. So uh, I've said before that there is a feeling in the United States, and it is not an unjustified one, that your employer is looking over your shoulder, that you don't feel free to say what it is that you want to say. And that if you do say what it is you want to say, that you might be fired. You can see that this is happening on virtually every cultural level from all the major corporations. It's, it's pretty incredible how political all of American life has become. I have a bevy of stories about this today. So Coca-Cola has now decided that they are going to force their employees to take anti-racism training with the execrable Robin DiAngelo. Robin DiAngelo is the worst public intellectual in America. She's awful. She's a cult leader. If you read her book, her garbage book, White Fragility, the entire argument that she makes is that black people cannot take care of their own future, that white liberals like Robin DiAngelo have to take care of black people's future, that black people, by dint of being black, are systematically discriminated against, 
and that white people who fail to recognize this suffer from white fragility, the only solution to which is to listen to Robin DeAngelo and what she tells you. The only way that you can clear yourself of the racist, of the racist drippings that, that have adhered to you is by taking a $20,000 diversity course from Robin DeAngelo. So Coca-Cola duly did this because this is what corporations do. Corporations are afraid of liability. They're afraid that someone will sue them for discrimination. And so they hire people like Robin DeAngelo to give them the cover to continue to do business. They feel like, okay, fine. So for 20 grand, now I can say when I'm, when I'm sued by some upset employee that we gave everybody the anti-racism training. Okay, so Robin DeAngelo was doing this training and we have some screen caps from this particular training. Here are some of the screen, screen caps. Confronting racism, understanding what it means to be white, challenging what it means to be racist. Solid stuff here from Robin DeAngelo. Okay, to be less white. Okay, so here's how, right? We don't want you to be white. We want you to be less white, which, um, okay. This isn't racist at all, by the way. To be less white is to be less oppressive, be less arrogant, be less certain, be less defensive, be less ignorant, be more humble, listen, believe, break with apathy, break with white solidarity. Now we, take, we need to take a moment here to explain what exactly Robin D'Angelo is saying. Again, this is Coca-Cola employees being subjected to this overt racism. Because if you're white, this means that you're oppressive, arrogant, certain, defensive, ignorant, humble. You must, uh, not humble. You need to be, you need to listen, believe. You're apathetic and you have white solidarity if you're white. So you need to be less white. I don't know how. Like really, how, how are you less white? She doesn't mean that you color your skin, obviously. That's racist. Instead, what she means is that you have to be a, a person who listens to Robin D'Angelo. You are, by being a white person, oppressive. Unless you recognize that you're oppressive, in which case, you're not, you're less white in some way. You're arrogant if you're white. Just by, you might think of yourself as not arrogant. Wrong, wrong. Because now you're engaging in defensiveness. Right? This is the, the stupid little game she plays. This perverse game, right? She says, you're oppressive and you're arrogant and you're certain about all your stuff. You're like, well, no, I don't feel like I've oppressed anybody. And as far as arrogance, I mean, frankly, I kind of know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And I'm not good at a lot of things. And I'm not super certain, actually. In fact, I have a lot less certainty than Robin D'Angelo. So I, I kind of deny this stuff. And she goes, you're being defensive right? If you fight back against her, now you're defensive, which means you're being white again. Stop that. You have to be less ignorant, right? Because you're ignorant because you're white. You say, well, no, I'm not. I'm not ignorant. Actually, I, I know a lot of things. Nope. There you are being defensive again. You need to be more humble, which um, I love that just to fill out this slide, she had be less arrogant and also be more humble, which is the same thing. You have to listen and believe. Listen and believe. Okay, by listen and believe, she means that if someone tells you that they feel that they have been subjected to some sort of predation by another person. You can't evaluate the evidence. You can't say, okay, well, I understand you feel that way. The feeling may be authentic, but what is the evidence to back whether the feeling is justified? Authentic and justified are two very different things. A lot of people feel things authentically that are not justified by the underlying fact pattern. This happens all the time. My kids feel authentically angry at me on a variety of, of bases. That does not mean that their feelings are justified. My son yesterday, it was time for him to go to bed. And my son decided that he did not want to go to bed, right? And he was very angry at me because I said, we have to stop playing Legos. You need to go to bed. His feelings were authentic. They were not justified. It was time for him to go to bed. By the way, he was so upset at this that he then went and peed on the floor <laughs> because this is what children do. Funny now, wasn't at, the wasn't at the time. His feelings were authentic. Peeing on the floor was not justified. In any case, Listen and believe is what Robin DeAngelo says. You must believe. You have to break with apathy because what she means by break with apathy is, is you just have to mirror everything she says or 
you're apathetic. And finally, you have to break with white solidarity because you understand if you refuse to go along with what she's saying, this means that essentially you're a white solidarity supremacist. Okay, then here's more from Robin D'Angelo training the, uh, the unlucky suckers over at Coca-Cola. In the U.S. and other Western nature, nations, white people are socialized to feel that they are inherently superior because they are white. Research shows that by age three to four, children understand that it is better to be white. Oh, is that what the research shows? Is it now? Huh, interesting. Also, um, I'm just gonna, hmm. White people are socialized to feel they are inherently superior because they're white. Actually, no, the civil rights movement socialized us to believe that people should be treated as individuals. It is your educational training that makes white people feel that they are superior because it is only white people who can solve the problems for black people. It's something Shelby Steele pointed out in his own book, White Guilt, which is that one of the beautiful things about being somebody like Robin D'Angelo is the only person who can solve the problem is white people. You still get to be superior if you're Robin D'Angelo. You still get paid 20 grand to fix America's racial problems because you're owning it, you see. And finally, try to be less white. Honestly, this should be like the 1984 Apple commercial. It's just Robin D'Angelo talking to you like big brother until somebody comes in with the, with the, race, with the, with the logic hammer and flings it at the screen. Try to be less white. Okay, so Coca-Cola, a massive company, hired Robin D'Angelo to teach this crap to the people who work at Coca-Cola. Yes, your corporate overlords, they are willing to buy into this stuff. Now, question, why are they willing to buy into this stuff? The reason they are willing to buy into this stuff is for really three reasons. One, the people who are buying into this stuff do so because they're afraid of boycott. And they're afraid really of publicity. They understand that if you are perceived as a liberal corporation, fewer people are going to come after you. Right, that is, that is a, a rationale for doing this. There's a study, I've cited it before from Harvard Business Review. It showed that if you put together a, a focus group of, of people from all different political sides of the aisle, and you ask them about a corporation, and you ask them about the corporation being formed in three different ways. One, as a politically neutral corporation. Two, as a political, politically liberal corporation. And three, as a conservative corporation. The crowd's reaction would be wildly different. If you just said, same corporation, it's neutral, people were like, okay, sounds good. If you said it was liberal, people were like, okay, sounds good. If you said it was conservative, the positivity ratings dropped by 33 percentage points all among people who are lefty. Coca-Cola understands this. If they are perceived to be the lefty corporation, they understand that people on the right will still buy Coke and people on the left will be more apt to buy Coke and less apt to go after them. So that is reason number one. Reason number two, it shields them from liability. And reason number three, because most of the people who now run these corporate boards are people who are liberal, they have no systemic intellectual defense against the hard left. People who are liberal and innately believe in the guilt of the United States, but they also believe in certain individual rights. The problem is if you believe in the innate guilt of the United States and the innate evil of the United States, it's very hard to also believe in the goodness and rightness of the individual rights upon which the United States is predicated. You can't both believe that America's ideas start in 1619 and that America's ideas start in 1776. These are mutually exclusive beliefs. So you got to pick. A lot of liberals are picking 1619 because it makes them feel better about themselves. Okay, so that's what's happening over at Coca-Cola. And this sort of stuff has infused so many different corporations. You see it obviously over at Disney. Right. Not only did Disney plus Lucasfilm decide to fire Gina Carano for no good reason, simply because she didn't go along with the woke left. But now they've decided to hit the Muppets with an offensive content label. Now, this was the most predictable thing in all the land. They announced that you'd be able to watch the Muppets on Disney plus. I immediately tweeted out that within three weeks, the Swedish chef would be canceled. Right. It's perfectly obvious. I was wrong. It didn't take three weeks. It took three days. Disney has now slapped the Muppet show with an offensive content disclaimer. The Muppet show. If you're sitting around getting offended by the Muppets, 
Let me suggest you need to get a job. You need to get a life. Have children. Be a productive member of society. You're sitting around being offended by Muppets? Truly? Like, that, that, that is incredible stuff. Muppets from 1987? That's what you're getting offended by. You're, you're not even watching new episodes of The Muppet Show. And by the way, the stuff that you're getting offended by is not Robin DeAngelo spouting racist bullcrap. The stuff you're getting offended by is like Fozzie Bear told a joke. What? The disclaimer shown prior to every episode warns viewers the show features stereotypes and, quote, mistreatment of people or cultures. This program includes negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures. These stereotypes were wrong then and are wrong now. Rather than remove this content, we want to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it, and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together, says the disclaimer. No, 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 no. Rather than remove the content, you want to make money off the content. Let's all get real here. You want to make money off the content while dissociating far enough from the content that you can claim that you're not making money off the content because it's all about the money making. It is unclear exactly what Disney considers to be offensive on the show. Some characters have depicted Native American, Middle Eastern, and Asian people. They're Muppets. The warning also appears in front of Bambi. Well, not, not Bambi, right? Bambi's okay because it's just about deer, right? Aristocat, Dumbo, Peter Pan, and of course, Swiss Family Robinson. All great movies, all apparently unmentionable. Hey, and then you've got Cartoon Network now pushing anti-racism. Okay, so, so you've got Robin D'Angelo not just teaching Coca-Cola, but mainstreamed into Cartoon Network. Now, it's one thing to get mad at the Muppets from 1987 for telling a joke that you now consider culturally insensitive 30 years later. It's another thing to get mad at Cartoon Network when Cartoon Network is literally just putting out PSAs mirroring for children, mirroring Robin DeAngelo's talking points on racism and indoctrinating kids into overtly racist garbage. Here's the Cartoon Network pushing what is obviously racism. Well, I'm not an alien, but it definitely matters to me that I'm black. Yeah, it makes a difference that I'm white. I know the two of us get treated very differently. My experience with anti-black racism is really specific. Other people of color experience other forms of racism too. But you won't see any of that if you don't see color. Can we get a rewrite where we appreciate each other without erasing what makes each of us different? Okay, but it's going to add a couple hours to the shoot. I can make yours open. Uh, you were rolling just now, weren't you? Can't we just slap some graphics on this and call it a day? Hmm, see color, be anti-racist. Shut up, racist children. See color, be anti-racist. So, yes, we are all supposed to see each other as people of different colors whose experiences are completely non-understandable. I cannot ex- understand your experience in any way. And because I can't understand your experience, this is the Robin DiAngelo stuff, I have to listen and believe. I can never try to assess whether your opinion on a matter is non-factually or evidentiarily based. Instead, I have to listen and believe because, you see, I see color. So I'm an anti-racist, which means I have to listen and believe whatever you say and presumably accept all of your policy recommendations as well in order to destroy the systems of power. This is being taught to children at Cartoon Network. To children. Yeah, you wonder why people feel like they are under assault? Because they are under they are under assault. Here's another great story. This one courtesy of the New York Post today. A veteran Bronx superintendent, once praised by Chancellor Richard Carranza for her successes in the classroom, claims her career was career was derailed by his equity agenda, forcing her to take a demotion in a desperate bid to preserve her pension, according to a 150 million lawsuit. This $150 million lawsuit. Karen Ames is a 30-year Department of Education employee. She said she was targeted by Carranza's disrupt and dismantle campaign to oust or marginalize longtime employees because she is over 40 and Jewish. The agenda of Chancellor Carranza and his senior leadership team was euphemistically touted as an equity platform, right? We've talked about the difference between inequality and inequity and how the left conflates the two. 
Inequity meaning that everything is unfair and any element of American life where an outcome is not equal means that something unfair happened. She says, in reality, the equity platform was a platform used to create gender, age, racial, and ethnic divisions in the New York City school system. Ames was grilled about her ethnic background, chastised by a a colleague at her training session when she shared her grandparents' experiences during the Holocaust in Poland and admonished when she declined requests at superintendent meetings to take part in the comic book movie-inspired Wakanda Forever Salute to Black Power. She charges in the legal filing. Carranza had heralded Ames' success in raising math scores at struggling schools. But instead of celebrating Ames' work, Cheryl Watson-Harris, Carranza's top deputy, who left last year to become school's chief in DeKalb County, Georgia, interrogated Ames during a chauffeured car ride about her Department of Education history, her family, residency, and improperly inquired about her ethnicity, she claimed. At an implicit bias workshop where superintendents were asked to tell their personal stories, Ames talked about her grandparents' loss of two children during the Holocaust only to have colleague Rashida Amon tell her, you better check yourself, the lawsuit alleges. This is not about being Jewish. It's about black and brown boys of color only. Court papers quote Ammon is scolding. See color, be anti-racist, guys. It's so nice. In August 2018, Ames was summoned to the Department of Education headquarters, where Watson Harris handed her a termination letter, telling her the department was moving in a new direction. A month later, Ames was given a choice, take a demotion or be removed from the payroll in 24 hours. She took the demotion. The DOE eventually assigned Ames to the Office of School Health, but gave her no work for five months. So um, I'm con- so they got they got angry at her because she wouldn't give the Wakanda forever salute. Wakanda's not a real country, gang. It ain't real. If you refuse to give a salute to a country that doesn't exist, is that racist? Apparently, the answer is yes. This sort of stuff is happening at employers around the country, around the country. And you are allowed to target people. At these, at these places. You are encouraged to target people at these places. Barry Weiss, formerly of the New York Times, has an excellent piece today about a woman named Jody Shaw at Smith College. She says, courage has come in the form of a woman named Jody Shaw. Jody Shaw was, until this afternoon, a staffer at Smith College in Northampton, Massachusetts. She made 45,000 bucks a year, less than the, than the yearly tuition at the school. She's a divorced mom of two kids. She's a lifelong liberal, alumna of the college, She has a front row seat to the illiberal, neo-racist ideology masquerading as progress. In October 2020, after Shaw felt she had exhausted all internal options, she posted a video on YouTube blowing the whistle on what she says is an atmosphere of racial discrimination at the school. I asked that Smith College stop reducing my personhood to a racial category, stop telling me what I must think and feel about myself, stop presuming to know who I am or what my culture is based upon my skin color, stop asking me to project stereotypes and assumptions onto others based on their skin color. Now she is resigning from the college, and she is turning down a settlement that would have given her a much easier way out. She says that the climate at Smith College changed dramatically in July 2018 when the culture war arrived on campus when a student accused a white staff member of calling campus security on her because of racial bias. The student who was black shared the account on social media and drew a lot of attention to the college. Before even investigating the facts of the incident, the college immediately issued a public apology to the student, placed the employee on leave, and announced its intention to create new initiatives, committees, workshops, trainings, and policies aimed at combating systemic racism on campus. There was an independent investigation into the incident and found no evidence of racial bias. The college ramped up its initiatives aimed at dismantling the supposed racism that pervades the campus. This only served to support the now prevailing narrative the incident had been racially motivated and Smith's staff are racist. She was told that she was basically her career was ended. Why? Because she was supposed to create a program about library orientation in which she used rap, but because she was white, that could be viewed as cultural appropriation. 
She was up for a full-time position in the library. She was told her candidacy was dependent upon her ability. And she was told to reinvent a program that she had devoted months of time to creating. And so she moved into a current lower-paying position as student support coordinator. And then she was told on multiple occasions discussing her personal thoughts and feelings about skin color was a requirement of her job. She says, quote, I endured racially hostile comments, was expected to participate in racially prejudicial behavior as a condition of my employment. I endured meetings in which another staff member violently banged his fist on the table, chanting rich white women, rich white women in reference to Smith alumna. I listened to, I listened to my supervisor openly name preferred racial quotas for job openings in our department. Every day, I watch my colleagues manage student conflict through the lens of race, projecting rigid assumption and stereotypes on students, thereby reducing them to the color of their skin. I'm asked to do the same. This woman at Smith College, she says, the last straw came in January 2020 when I attended a mandatory resident life staff retreat focused on racial issues. The hired facilitators asked each member of the department to respond to various personal questions about race and racial identity. I said, I don't feel comfortable talking about that. Later, facilitators told everyone present the white person's discomfort at discussing their race is a symptom of white fragility. They said the white person may seem like they are in distress, but it's actually a power play. In other words, because I am white, my genuine discomfort was framed as an act of aggression. I was shamed and humiliated in front of all of my colleagues. And so eventually she quit. Hey, this sort of stuff is happening at corporations all over the United States. It's happening at colleges. It's happening at Coca-Cola. It's happening at Disney. It's happening at Cartoon Network. It may be happening where you work. Unless we get together and we fight back against this. And there are many ways to do it, which we'll be discussing in future episodes. And in my new book, which will be coming out shortly. Unless we fight back against this, it's going to win. We're all going to have to unite and fight back against this. You're listening to The Ben Shapiro Show. Make sure that later today you check out The Michael Moles Show. He discusses the Vatican mandating the vaccine. You can hear more details about that story over on Michael's show. That is available right now. Also, this Wednesday, February 24th, we're supposed to have a backstage. It's going to be magical, mystical experience. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Our associate producers are Rebecca Doyle and Savannah Dominguez. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright 2021. A corporate training enjoins employees to be less white. Joe Biden writes off China's genocide of the Uyghurs as a cultural norm. And Dr. Fauci won't let you hug grandma. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Hold up. 